So let's wrap up then with the third question. The third question is this. What is the remedy to our conflicts? What's the remedy? Let's pick up verse 4. Adulterers, adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Key point number three then for us is this. We can de-escalate conflict when we demonstrate humility, guard our words, and don't delay reconciliation. Now, where does that come from? Let's look. Verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. These verses 7 through 10 all work together with each other. Listen to this. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now, let me share with you another, another hermeneutic in, in reading Scripture. The word, therefore, I've always heard it, heard it said this way, is there for a reason. Therefore is there for a reason. Oftentimes, the words that follow the word, therefore, it's not just a transitional word. It is a transitional statement that is going to say, the very next thing that follows is going to be your points of application. In other words, we've made the case, and what's the case? We have conflict. We have conflict in our lives. And why do we have conflict? We have conflict because we're looking for our own selfish pleasure. We're looking for our own self-gratification, even if it's just that little dig to a Karen. You know, we're looking to be, have our own selfish pleasure. And he's made the case. And now he has this transitional word, therefore, and he's going to give us points of application. So, when we read that, here's what we discover. In those first verses, 7, seven through 10, it's all about humility. You know, a winner-loser mentality of conflict breeds more conflict. It's the idea of, I won the argument, I won the conflict, and you lost. However, James is saying there's another way. If we are humble, we can actually create a win-win situation. The conflict doesn't always have to have winners and losers. The conflict can actually result in win-win situations. Here's one that comes to mind. He humbled himself and became what? Like us. 
Who's it talking about? Who humbled himself? Jesus. You mean to tell me that the conflict of all conflicts, the one that separated us from God, the one that because of our sin has separated us from a holy God, that that conflict, the resolution of that involves God taking on flesh and has humbled himself? Here's, here's my point. Here's my thoughts on that. Jesus humbled himself and brought a win-win situation in which we can be reconciled to God. Now hear me on this, because I'm not saying that humility is easy. I'm not saying it was easy on Jesus. I'm not saying that it didn't cost him dearly. It did. But his goal was reconciliation. And it began with humility. James is saying, look, I've made my case for conflict, therefore it's going to begin with humility. Let's continue. Pick up verse 11. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Now, this is a passage that is going to be helpful for our historical context. That historical context hermeneutic, it's going to come in handy here. Why? Because we can do this. We can begin by pointing out what the passage is not saying. The passage is not saying that we should ignore sin. Nowhere in Scripture are we ever instructed to ignore, overlook, or dismiss sin. So what is James actually saying? Well, we have to remember who he is writing to. He is writing to the Jewish believers who are scattered abroad throughout the Gentile nations. And furthermore, he is writing in response to a group of Judaizers who wrongly insisted that Gentile Christians begin to observe Jewish practices according to the law. So what is the context of this passage before we just walk away and say, oh, right here it is in Scripture. It says, who are you to judge another? No, here's what, here's what James is saying. James is saying, don't go picking a fight. Don't go picking a fight. The things that we say and our behavior toward others have the potential to create conflict. And James is saying, look, don't be the one causing the conflict. Don't go picking a fight. He's never suggesting, he's not suggesting that we ignore sin or that we not address sin or that we should just, ah, it's not that big of a deal with sin. What he is saying is, look, don't go picking the fight. And then James uh, chapter 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? 
It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your ignorance, and all such boasting is evil. Again, this one, here's what we can do. We have to, first of all, what is he not saying, right? He is not telling us that we shouldn't plan ahead or we shouldn't consider the future. We have to remember the context. James is telling us, therefore, here is how to respond to conflict. Therefore, humble yourself. Therefore, watch your words. Don't go be the one to pick in a fight. And then, and then get this, because this is, this is so good. He's not saying we shouldn't plan ahead. Consider the context. James is saying that we should not put off tomorrow what we should do today. And that is don't delay in your reconciliation. Don't put it off. We are often tempted to do what in our conflict? I'll deal with it tomorrow. Well, you need to apologize to him. Well, I'll do it the next time I see him. We put it off till tomorrow. Well, you know, it's the weekend. I, you know, I'll do it. I'll, you know, I know. I know. I'll leave it at work. I'll deal with it when I get back. What do we do? The conflict has then escalates, simmers. James is saying, look, you don't even know that tomorrow's going to happen. So don't, don't start saying, well, today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such city. Tomorrow, tomorrow uh, you know, we'll, we'll do this or we'll do that. No. Deal with it now. And then James does this. He concludes the chapter with a profound statement. Here's what it is. Verse 17, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. James essentially gives us a one last thought for the chapter. So we will allow that to be our one last thought as well. Now that you know what to do to de-escalate conflict, if you don't do it, you're guilty of sin.